You're listening to Megiddo Radio. Megiddo Radio is a radio ministry of Megiddo Media. For more, visit our website at megiddoradio.com. That's megiddoradio.com. Welcome everybody, this is Paul Flynn with Megiddo Radio for Thursday the 10th of March 2022. Thank you all for tuning in. On tonight's program we're going to be covering, uh, just going through various different things. I'm hoping the stream is going red. Hopefully there's nothing wrong with it at the moment. Uh, We're going to keep going anyway. I just started going flashing red there in front of me, but hopefully that is... Not really a big deal. Hopefully, we'll see. Um, so, welcome everybody. We're going to be on tonight's program. We're going to be covering, kind of teaching on the Beatitudes, and this is from something a few days ago, which I thought might be a just a blessing uh, to uh, you know for the program. Maybe slightly expanded upon a teaching I did uh for the church i'm currently in placement at the moment in lisbon reform presbyterian church and the te- the theme really is blessed in a hostile world and the reason i wanted to do this is because look there's a lot of things oh, there's too many stories you could, you could be covering and yes i i do intend in covering a number of them and doing a number of critiques like We've always been doing on this program for years, but I think it's important we don't lose sight of what we have in Christ. And it's important with all that is going on, with all the news that is taking place, that we are blessed and we can lose these blessings in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're not a Christian, then you are in a scary place. The world is a, a at war. Now, not just Ukraine, Russia, and all the other places you know in the world where there's conflicts that take place. It's not just going to be the place where the media, for various different reasons, will focus on different parts of the world. Sometimes... For good reasons, and sometimes for not so good reasons. But it is fruits of a world that has fallen in sin. So whenever we feel tempted to think, well, how could God ever allow, and then you you put in whatever, allow such suffering to happen? Well, this is what was warned to Adam, who was our representative in the Garden of Eden. He was warned that there would be consequences for sin. And this cons- these consequences, you know, going right back to Genesis chapter 3, and a conflict that has really taken place ever since. A conflict that goes back thousands of years. However, regardless of what is going on around us, no matter how bad things get, we are truly, if we're in Christ Jesus, we are truly blessed. It's easy to forget that. 
So just by way of announcements, radio at gmail.com. If you've got any emails or any questions during the program, if you've got anything, or if over the next few weeks you would like me to cover a topic. Now, if it's like a, a teaching or... I can't promise I'll respond to everything, and I don't usually respond to everything. I usually respond to a minority of things. But a lot of the best shows have been through people emailing me and things I'd never come across before. So please feel free. It's a massive help to me. And I can't always promise that I'll I'll be the right guy to answer to whatever. But if you go back over the show's... Over the last 10 years plus, there has been, you know, various different things. Calvinism, Arminianism, either to a charismatic movement, whatever the case may be. Roman Catholicism. I haven't done anything actually in Roman Catholicism in quite some time. And, but if you have, it doesn't have to be a critique. It can just be a question. It might be just, how do you reach Roman Catholics? Or how do you, you know, little things like that. It can be a very, very simple question, and I'll do my best over the next... Between now and the end of April, there's a good chance that the programs will be wrapped up around late April. That may not be the case. I'm I'm currently... From the 1st of May, I'll be available for a call to be a minister of a church, a pastor of a church... And, well, I don't know, I might get a call in May, I might not get a call for a long time, so it really just depends on what happens. But as soon as that call comes in, uh, the program will be on hiatus for at least six months, possibly up to a year. So um, I won't really know until I, until I get in there, or wherever I am, by God's grace. And um, so, and, and I'll be honest, there's no guaranteeing that the program will return. I suppose none of us know what's going to happen in the future. It's not my primary focus anymore. It hasn't been for a long time, really. So the, the ministry has to be my primary focus. And if six months or a year into it, and I think, okay, it wouldn't be a bad idea to bring it back, that's that's kind of what will happen. And if you've wanted any kind of updates on that, I imagine there will be some degree of media things that I will do, but it might not be under the guise of media radio. It might be just under a different name. It might be under the church's name. You, I'm not, you know, it's kind of, it's very hard to know. So keep that in your prayers that there be wisdom exercised in that. So, okay. So blessed in a hostile world. We're going to read through the Beatitudes, and this is what we're going to be looking at today. Matthew chapter 5. And we're reading, reading verses 1 to 12 of Matthew chapter 5. And the Beatitudes really begin in verse 3, but we've got a bit of context here in the first few verses of Matthew chapter 5. So Matthew chapter 5, let us hear God's word. We'll actually just pray first, and anybody who's listening live, can we'll just pray together before we begin. Heavenly Father, Lord in heaven, Please bless all those who are listening to the program, and we pray that this will be an encouragement to all listening in these trying times, and we pray, O Lord, that we would not be distracted by what the world would want us to be distracted by, 
but we would be focused upon Christ and that we would be pra praising our Redeemer. Regardless of what is going on around us, whether we're going through joy or lament, that you would be in our hearts, O Lord. Be with us, dear Father. May your face shine upon us. Bless all those who listen to this program afterwards. And we pray that your great and mighty name may be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 5. Let us hear God's word. Verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the weak, the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. May God bless his word. So, greetings, anyone who's listening, anyone who's joining. Um, so, now, what does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be blessed? If you went out and you asked a number of people out in the street, what would they think it meant to be blessed? And if you did a survey and people just said, okay, you were blessed if you were in this situation, it's usually going to be somebody prob probably perhaps is rich, successful, maybe in sports, maybe famous, maybe power, influence, land, legacy. We mentioned trophies. It really just depends on what, what, what we value and what we see as good. Because the fundamental question of what it means to be blessed, what it means to be in a favored position by God, according to God's standards. And we are blessed in Christ Jesus, but we'll only see these things as blessings if we love him, if we love his kingdom, and if we love what he gives us, which is far greater than anything the world can offer. The person who's not born again does not value these things. And they're not attractive to him. The person who's not born again doesn't value the riches of the kingdom of God. They don't think they're, they're worth very much. 
he doesn't see Christ as glorious. But if you've been born again, you see the joy and the beauty of Christ. And what you value is what Christ values. And here's the thing. This is what Christ says. He goes up to the mountain. He, he is healed a great multitude. And, you know, one of the things we can think about is somebody who's blessed. Well, we think of health. Health is one of the things that most people are agreed on. If you have good physical health, that is a great thing. If you look at Job chapter 1, one of the accusations, or was it Job chapter 2? The accusation of Satan was this. Well, if you remove his health from him, if you curse him, he, he will renounce you. So by removing that great blessing, Satan said that basically that Job would no longer wish to serve God. So health has always been valued and they came with all kinds of sicknesses and diseases and Jesus healed them. And then he came to him, and here is what it means to be truly blessed. Because, you know, we often, we pray for one of the things, and there's nothing wrong with this, we should do this, but one of the things we'll do is we'll always pray for whoever's sick in the church or whatever the case may be. And we should. We should. It's not like that we shouldn't. We should. But there's other things to pray for. And that seems to be the thing that rocks us. And we can often forget when we are going through illness, suffering, pain, that we have much to thank God for. And again, I'm speaking to believers. The descriptions here in the Beatitudes are of believers, the poor in spirit, Mourn, meek, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Unless you're born again, these things don't describe you. And you look at them, poor doesn't sound fantastic, does it? Poor in any context. Poor in spirit. Sad, mourning, is that really blessed? Meek, timid, will this inherit anything? It's completely counterintuitive, completely the opposite of what we would think would gain these blessings. But this is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus said. And often, and you have to remember, Matthew's gospel is very much, it's very much a Jewish gospel. gospel that starts with, the genealogy going right back. And you could summarize Matthew in this way. Here's the one you've all been waiting for. Here's the one who fulfills prophecy. And they have been focusing and looking forward to probably so many things from the promising, from the promised Messiah. He's just going to deliver us from those nasty Romans, all this kind of thinking. He's going he's gonna to heal us. Nobody wants to be sick. But what does it truly mean to be blessed? Because we should, 
being to be blessed and to be asking to be blessed by God, we we pray for that. We want that. We want God's face to shine upon us, but what does that look like? And when we read the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter three verses or Matthew chapter five verses three to twelve, we see this. What can spiritually look like something bad is really something good or can be something good. What it looks unimpressive to the world, what doesn't attract the world, what looks odd to the world is really something good and something we ought to have some degree of fruit in our lives and wish to grow in this fruit. So the first beatitude there is verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The first beatitude. Now, here the word poor. It would be easy for us to just think of poor as, you know, somebody's below the poverty line. And for the last couple of decades, poor, depending on what country you live in, can be, well, you don't have... You only have a few channels on your television, or you can't go on a nice holiday. You know the thing. And the what classifies as poor changes. What we think of as poor, anyway, at least in the English language. But the original word here, translated poor, think of the word begging. Begging. Destitute. Not, not just having less, but having nothing. Do you, uh, Have you ever gone to somebody in the street who's a beggar? Not, not somebody, you know, and I'm talking about a, a genuine beggar, somebody who has no food, nothing. And said that they are blessed. So again, the more you describe it, the more you think, how could this person be blessed? This person who is completely dependent on someone else. That's what a beggar is. But we also have to factor in, it's poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. We're not talking about economically poor here. We're not. But it's a spiritual beggar. Someone who's desperate for help. Totally dependent. And at those days, if there was somebody who was a beggar and didn't somebody didn't help him out with food, what would happen? Well, the person would probably die. That's why the, the role of the deacon was so important in the church. The role of the deacon is still massively important in the church but it was very, very evident in that day. I think we probably could be going back to a day where it is more evidently important. Because of the level of wealth in the West and comfort and everything else, 
Mercy Ministries, well, we don't see, do we, opportunities as much. And look, if the Lord does in his providence, as I think he seems to be doing, um, make us a lot poorer, we've been made poor for a lot of different reasons. Bad decisions, fear, irrational fear, largely over the last two years. But whatever the reason, does it make us more dependent on God? To be, to be poor in spirit is to be dependent on God, not independent of Him. If you're rich in spirit, the complete opposite of that, you think, I need nothing. I just need myself, trust myself, and that's it. A spiritual beggar doesn't trust himself. He's crying out for help. But here's the here's the amazing thing about this beatitude here. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So you have the greatest possible description of poverty, begging, but also theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Depending upon God, you have the kingdom. Now imagine somebody tells you you have become part of a royal family. Now, I know Americans listening to this probably won't be that impressed and won't like anything to do, but but just, you're, you become, we're all, if we're, if we're Christians, we are, Monarchists, and I mean this sense that we we follow King Jesus. But if somebody said to you, "The kingdom is yours," you are royal, wealthy, not in yourself, but in God. In yourself, you are begging. You are so dependent. we try to go it alone we will not last but the riches the blessings of the world to come are yours the riches of the kingdom are yours so being completely destitute in one sense and overflowing in riches in another so for, so if you are poor in spirit you're blessed. You're blessed far more than people who are in either royal families themselves because the kingdom that is, that is spoken about here is far greater than any kingdom upon this earth, far greater than any kingdom that's ever been on this earth, far greater than the Roman Empire, far greater than the Persian Empire, far greater than the Babylonian or the Assyrian Empire, far greater than anything currently upon this earth, far greater than the British Empire at its height, the kingdom of heaven. That's the blessing. Is we, do we forget this? 
And we think, no, no, I'm living in the real world and I'm spending most of my time thinking about whatever the world wants me to think about. I'm not saying be ignorant. But the portion makes the poison. And I'm concerned with how much time the church, many people in the church, spend consuming media. You've got to be able to pull yourself away from this, spend time alone with the Lord, and remind yourself of these things. These things, these people, these weak political rulers doing immoral things are nothing compared to the kingdom that will reign forever and ever. So we've got to, and when we, when we think about how to counteract these things, I'm not saying pretend and, and live in a bubble or anything else like that, but we, we use the appropriate weapons, for our weapons are spiritual, not carnal. Pulling down strongholds raised against the knowledge of the truth. So when we go against them, we realize that, you know, petty fights and forums and online or whatever else like that is a waste of our time, largely. And there's, there's people to be won to Christ. Do we see how blessed we are? So, poverty of spirit, not thinking anything great of ourselves, humble. And the second beatitude then is verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. If you see your spiritual poverty, this flows next. Without spiritual poverty, without realizing you are, when spiritually speaking, when you go to the throne room of God and you look at your account before God, you are spiritually bankrupt. You can offer nothing before God. And all you have is the wrath of God, the displeasure of God in yourself. But because you're not looking to yourself, you're, you see your own spiritual poverty, your complete dependence upon God, depending upon him, then yours is the kingdom of heaven, giving up on self. You're not trusting yourself. And because you see your, your spiritual poverty, it's not just something casual. This is where the second beatitude comes in. Blessed are those who mourn. To have your eyes open to the beauties of Christ is wonderful. But, but at the same time, you're also going to see the heinousness of sin, and it's going to grieve you. It's going to sadden you. But when you get saddened by the news, by sin in the world, by perhaps people you know backsliding, perhaps family members, whatever the case may be, blessed are those who mourn. Now, the context here is very much your own spiritual poverty, mourning that. But there can be other things that we mourn of in this world. Because of the spiritual poverty, because we're humble, because we do belong to this kingdom and not to the kingdom of Satan, 
then we mourn. And if, look, if that is you and you mourn and you're suffering because of sin, your own, you grieve when you see it, but also the sin of others, there, you are blessed. You're blessed far more, infinitely more, than the carefree person in your family who doesn't know the Lord. A believer is not just marked by a poverty of spirit, but also by a mourning. No, there is joy as well. The joy of the Lord shall be your strength. But there is a mourning that takes place. Because of that poverty of spirit, it's not, again, it's not casual, it's not easy. But the blessings here is, they shall be comforted. For they shall be comforted, verse 4. Mourning over your spiritual guilt. And I remember thinking about how precious comfort is. You see, we don't really think about comfort unless some of us value it probably more than others. I'll put it like this. Comfort is precious if you have none. The world is just living in comfort and is just numbed to any of the consequences of its sin against God. But for those people who desperately want comfort, before I was a Christian, I mean, it was one of the things that drew me to drink. This before I was a Christian. And just guilt, guilt over things I'd done wrong and guilt over things that I felt I could not put right. There was no comfort. And, you know, you seek comfort in all the wrong places. You seek it in various types of sins. How many young people seek comfort in this world, in all the wrong places? Drugs, alcohol, pornography. It's only in Christ that there's actual lasting comfort. And that comfort that comes from Christ that you have in this world is only but a taste. For they shall be comforted. There's a partial taste. It's a wonderful taste of the comfort to come, but it will come in its fullness. There will be full comfort, full healing, full joy. Sorrow will be removed and gone. I think we can skip by those things, can't we? You know, for they shall be comforted and not see what a blessing that is. It's an incredible blessing. The third beatitude is blessed are the meek. Again, it might not seem like something that is that wonderful. To be meek, timid, and gentle in this current environment, and you know, it's been like it's nothing new. Does not seem like somebody who will, you know, conquer or will have victory and things like that. You know, there's that that saying, nice guys finish last, isn't there? Go back, Genesis chapter 6, who were the ones who ruled? There were these giants, 
kind of like tyrants or bullies, you could almost say, who reigned. They were just bigger than other people, and by virtue of that, they had more power. So to be, the idea of being, you think of the, the animal kingdom, if you think, imagine there's like a gentle lamb, and then there's a lion next to that gentle lamb. Who's going to have, who's going to prevail? So we naturally think of the jungle, the, the, the king of the jungle, what is the lion? The most powerful animal there. But it says in the third beatitude, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, this beatitude always reminds me of my dog, Mia, who's incredibly meek and timid. And she's very eager to please. And she is she just loves people. And, and she's pretty much no aggression in her whatsoever. Take food off her. She's she's very submissive. I know, you know, like dogs will have, say, their moments where they are maybe resistant to their master's will and things like that. But and th- and that's kind of the idea here, in a sense. We are not the meek, submissive, not fighting against our own master's will. Uh, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, toward God, we are gentle, we are timid, and we are eager to please our master. We love our master. We have surrendered. We have given up fighting against him. If you're fighting against God, you're not meek. If you're fighting against God, you don't see your poverty of spirit. And you're not mourning over your poverty of spirit. That surrender, that calm, peaceful surrender that comes in Jesus Christ, it's for those who are blessed. Those who are blessed. It is the fruit of those people who have repented of their sins and trusted in Jesus Christ. And it brings a gentle peace to a walk. There's there's a calm, there's a peace. You know why that peace is there? Because that person has accepted the terms of peace with the king of with the prince of peace. No longer at war with God, but has found peace in Jesus Christ because he has taken the punishment due to sinners like you and I. If you come to him in by faith, your punishment is gone. And not only that, you have Christ's perfect life, his perfect righteousness imputed to your account so that when when God sees you, he doesn't see your sin, he doesn't see your law-breaking, he sees perfect keeping of the law in Jesus Christ. He sees, he, he can declare righteous, holy. He can delight in you because of Christ. And that is the person who is meek. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. We think of today, 
we 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 naturally think it's the most aggressive, the most perhaps tyrannical, abusive person. Will you know, like you have you know a tyrant like Vladimir Putin invading another country, things like that. That you know they they are the people who go forth and conquer. The, you go back in history, you think of the Alexander the Greats or Darius, king of Persia, or whoever else, or Cyrus, or Nebuchadnezzar. These people weren't meek. Yet, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. But tyrants will have a short reign. They will have a brief reign. They will have their moments in the sun. And we pray that some of them, we pray that they will come to know Christ. We, we should pray for, you, know, you have a leader in your country you don't particularly like, pray for them. Pray that they will come to know Christ and repent. Pray that the Lord will bring an end to their deeds of darkness. Now, it can be hard because we hunger and thirst after righteousness, which brings us on to our next one. If you are meek, you're not, not fighting with God, that means you're blessed, you shall inherit the, the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, verse 6, for they shall be filled. We are satisfied, we have a taste of that satisfaction here in Christ, but, but we only have a taste of it. And the fullness of that will not be until the world to come. Now, if you ever went to a doctor and you said to him, you know, I just don't want food. I don't want any water or whatever. Well, let's say you were sick. A person who is alive. Now, all these flow from each other. Poverty of spirit, mourn, meek. No hunger and thirst for righteousness, okay? But if you're alive, what's the most natural thing to do? What, what, what natural desire do you have? To eat. Jesus himself was tempted to turn stones into bread because he was hungry there was nothing wrong or unnatural with that desire or that hunger that he had no, he didn't give in to that temptation he was, he was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin as the book of Hebrews tells us and it was in Hebrews chapter 4 so if you're a Christian you hunger and thirst after righteousness. You have something that can only... You, you want that. You hunger for it. One day it will be filled. One day it will be satisfied. They shall inherit the earth. They shall be also filled. Because when Jesus returns to renew the, the heaven and the earth... And bring in a new heaven and a new earth. Anyone who's there is 
you know, who's been, who's part of the kingdom, will be completely and utterly satisfied in the righteous administration of justice. We won't want to be anywhere else. We will be satisfied in his presence. We want to be like him. The fountain of living water, and only in the fountain of living water can our thirst be quenched. So, again, these all flow from each other, beginning with poverty of spirit, in verse 3. Verse 7 then, blessed are the merciful. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, it's not as a, as a Pharisee or anything like that, but, but blessed are the merciful. Do you show mercy? Are you forgiving? Do you know what you've been forgiven in Christ Jesus? Do you know that anything anybody's ever done against you is not nearly as bad, not even close to being as bad as what you've done against God? And when you see your sin and what, what he's been forgiven you, the fruit of that, you've been made a new creature in Christ Jesus and you'll be made more like Christ, yes, then you will also show that mercy. A person who's not merciful does not know the mercy of God. If you're not a merciful person, are you a forgiving person? Are you are you someone we need to be careful that every time somebody wrongs us, we don't just cut them off, especially in the church. Or we're almost like looking for the opportunity to cut them off because we just we're sinners and we're difficult to deal with, many of us. But are we merciful? Do we forgive? If that is us, if that is the fruit of our lives, if that is you, then you shall obtain mercy. But also when you think of the other side of it, if you don't demonstrate mercy, if you are unforgiving, if you punish those who do anything against you, it's not a good sign, is it? And we won't have perfect fruit. We won't be perfectly like Christ, of course. But that is what a Christian is. They'd be like their Savior who is merciful. And if you've been forgiven, you will forgive others too who also wrong you. Verse 8 then, again, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. A new heart. You can show that mercy because you have a pure heart. Now, we will one day be glorified in the future. But without this heart, born again of the Spirit of God, we will not see God. And when we see God, we will be in awe of him. And we will wish to be like him. 
if we don't have, if we're not pure in heart, we're going to be blind to God. And we will not wish to be like him. Now, if you're pure in heart and you wish to be like God, you'll also be a peacemaker. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the um, they shall be called sons of God. Now, peacemaking, this isn't just like political peacemaking and things like this. One of the the pe- making of peace is reconciliation between two sides at odds with each other. We should seek to make peace, yes, with our neighbors, but the ultimate, we should think of it ultimately through the ultimate peace. Now, yeah, we try as much to live peaceably within our neighbors who don't even know Christ and things like that, of course. But the ultimate peace is in Jesus Christ, for he is our peace, who hath made both one and and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Christ is our peace. And to be sharing the gospel is to be making peace, is to be the ultimate peacemaker. We are not to be, as one person put it, and I don't, I'm not a big fan of this, um, godly troublemakers. Look, we are for peace, but they are for war. We come with a message of peace. We come with a message seeking reconciliation. We don't start off seeking trouble. We start off seeking peace. Now, yes, and and by the way, you know, persecution flows from this. If you're seeking peace, then you'll be seeking it not as somebody seeking to be a troublemaker, but it will be people actively fighting against you. That's where the next one comes in. Blessed are those who are persecuted. In seeking peace, that peace with God, and by the way, if you're seeking peace, you are a child of God, you're sons of God. You have the blessing of being a royal member of the home, you know, that sonship, adoption. But what kind of peace is it? It's a peace. That will bring a level of persecution to your life. It would be different for everybody. But if you have been persecuted, not just for any reason, not just because, you know, there's some people who actually want to be persecuted and punished for, you know, for wrongdoing sometimes. And that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about for righteousness sake. If in your job, they want you to do something that is contrary to God's law, and they want you to support something that's wicked, evil, and wrong, and you just say no, and you either, perhaps you don't get that promotion, you don't get, you know, you, maybe you're you're not in with the crowd at work, whatever the case may be, or, worst case, maybe even lose your job. Well, blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. 
And again, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There may be those at war with you, but yours belongs to the kingdom of heaven. A kingdom that's far more powerful than the one that's attacking you. You know, we look across in Europe at the moment and we we see Ukraine and we see Russia, a much larger army. And we think probably, sadly, the Russians will probably prevail eventually because of the size difference. Well, in this war, who is on our side the army we are in is far more powerful, not because of our numbers or anything like that, but because of God, because of the power, because of the kingdom we serve, the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So you're blessed. No matter what opposition you may get, no matter what difficulties and trials and everything you may get, well, to you belongs the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. It's not going to be pleasant. But this is what it means to be blessed in a hostile world. Uh, verse 11, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. Doesn't sound wonderful. It, to go through it is difficult. But we need to remind ourselves when we deal with these things, when we're, we're, not, we're not trying to antagonize people. We are seeking to honor our God and to uphold the truth. And in, in so doing, to love our neighbor. And by doing so, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. You're going to be slandered, potentially. If you look back at the early church, you know, they... They claim that the, the Christians, they, 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 they're cannibals. They're eating and drinking the, the body, blood of Christ. Obviously, this is a distortion of the Lord's Supper. But because we have an invading army, you could say, who's antagonistic toward those who serve Christ, they're going to see it through the enemy's eyes and not with favor they're going to be against it but Jesus said blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake again it's like for my sake not just for your sake not just so you can make a name for yourself whatever the case may be but it's for the sake of Christ. And if for the sake of Christ you suffer, blessed are you. You're blessed. This is what it means to be blessed in a hostile world. And then it says, end of this in verse 12, rejoice. And you can only rejoice if you actually see that you're blessed in Christ Jesus. And by going through this, that you are blessed. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Again, it all seems contrary to reason, doesn't it? Of the flesh. Because the world doesn't see or value what we have. 
the world sees what we have as foolishness and silly and something even to be gotten rid of. But we have something incredible. So if we see what we have, we can rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. And the eye hath not seen or the ear heard. We have no, we can't even wrap our minds around how amazing heaven will be. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know what? Be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. The people who came before you, who also stood up for Christ, they also suffered. Those people we remember, those people we were so grateful for their testimony, we're so grateful, so grateful for their witness. Well, they also were persecuted. If you're going through persecution, if you're going through suffering, men, women, and children suffered for the cause of Christ, so they also suffered before you. And it's only that way, we talk about being salt and light, we don't really get time to go into that, but if you see you're blessed, if you see we have a great privilege in Christ Jesus, then it becomes much easier to be salt and light in the world. You don't mind suffering for the name and reputation of Christ when you see how important it is and you see that what it costs you in this world what you're giving up in this world you gain countless fold more times in the world to come hopefully that's been an encouragement um yeah, this program is really, I thought about doing this a few days ago when I was doing a, a study at the church. I'm currently doing a, a final graduate placement at, because there is a lot going on. And yes, we can focus on, and look, we will, we will get back to stories and looking at various different things and probably critiques next week or whenever. Um, get a radio at gmail.com if you've got any things you would like for me to cover. But never lose sight of why we're doing what we do. Never lose sight of how blessed we are. No matter what we go through, no matter what we suffer through. Think of what it means to be blessed. Without Christ, you're not blessed. Without Christ, you are none of these things listed in the Beatitudes here by Jesus Christ. Without Christ, you're not poor in spirit, you're arrogant. You don't mourn because of your sin. You're not meek, you're still at war with God. Uh, you don't hunger and thirst for righteousness, you, you hunger and thirst for your own righteousness. And you won't be satisfied. 
You're not merciful. You think you're merciful. You're not a peacemaker. Not in the ultimate sense. Because you don't value the gospel. Without Christ, you are not persecuted for the sake of Christ. You may have people who revile and persecute you for other reasons, but it won't be for the sake of Christ. But with Christ, in Christ, because of Christ, if you have repented of your sins, then you are poor in spirit. You are a spiritual beggar, depending, so dependent on God. <coughs> but also because of that, royalty in Christ. Yours says theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yours is the kingdom of heaven if you are poor in spirit, if you are in Christ Jesus. And you will mourn. You will not fight with God. Again, this is not perfect fruit, but you will see evidences of this in this world. Blessed are the merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, persecuted. Often, it'll be this. Blessed are those who are willing to suffer for Christ. And count it a joy to do so. And our mission, no matter what the price of petrol is, our mission, no matter who is in leadership, church or state, remains the same. We are here to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We are here to make his name known. That, that hasn't changed. Whatever sphere of influence you have, use it. Use it for his kingdom. Use it for his glory. God knows your abilities. God knows what you're able to do. And he will be there for you and help you through it. But only if you have turned to Christ in repentance and faith. If you've got any questions, Megiddo Radio. It's M-E-G-I-D-D-O Radio at gmail.com Lord willing we'll be back again next Thursday at 6.30pm that's GMT Greenwich Mean Time UK and Ireland time please pray for the program any suggested programs again remember the email radio gmail.com this has been Paul Flynn may God bless you all